That's the Alfred Hitchcock one, right? Yep. I have that movie. Yeah, I do. Weird. Um, I yeah. literally am looking through the ones that you have. No, 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 no. I know. I'm just. I'm saying, like, what? A, what an odd esoteric one to pick out. But no, I, I think the gift. I'm gonna go throw it on for. It. Give me like two minutes. You got it. Grab water. All right, we found one for you. What's it about? Psychics. Okay. Hey, babe. Yeah. Do you like Kate Blanchett? Yeah. Do you like psychic Kate Blanchett? I don't know. Well, you're gonna find out. <laughs> guess you're not a psychic. What's that? I said, I guess you're not a psychic. You know, <laughs> I will shut down this movie night right fucking now. I can't even describe how, you, how quickly it will be happening. You will go to bed without a movie. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Here, yeah. you can have just the opening part of the feature. Okay. There's a Simpsons episode where Homer encounters a gay man in the world who's played, voiced by John Waters, and he says to him, like, he says to him, like, oh, well, now you don't get a piece of cactus candy. And he goes, no, that's cruel. Take a tiny piece. Oh, excuse me, Macaloo. All right, you still there? Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Oh, I had, and I had this whole bit about doing this thing. Ah, you know what? I'll save it. We'll save it for another time. You had a whole uh, bit about doing this thing. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll save it for this other time. End of your movie. Now you want more. Now you want more. Maybe all your insides Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from a mining colony in space to the big red planet itself. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Ben, and joining me as always. I'm Tyler. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How's my little space cadet? Are you talking about Ash? (laughs) Ash is a little space cadet, isn't he? He's like, I'm ready to sign up for the missions. Yeah, he is, uh, he's terrified right now because mom is... Mom is not in the house, and so he is shaking. Um, and when I answered your call, he assumed it was my wife and was like, is she coming home? Where is Naomi? I, the, where is Naomi this fine night? Uh, she has improv class. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my my lovely is about to go house sit for a week, so I have a feeling it's just going to be Max sitting by the door being like, so it's just you and me, huh? Well, see you at dinner. I'll be around, I guess. <laughs> Hoping she comes back, because, you know, without her, nothing matters. <sighs> it is amazing how much those uh, those animals just discount on us, isn't it? It's just, you know, I put food in his bowl. I make sure he's got the house over his head. But, you know, I guess I'm yeah, just, chop right. liver. just chop liver over here. By the way, I've come up with a thing. I've noticed, like, we, I think we've evolved the uh, the opening segment into kind of just talking about about, like the world in general with movies at the moment mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't hate that idea 
So as much as I still want us to always do the best thing we saw, I feel like we can occasionally throw in a little, um, I don't know, just like kind of in cinema now, I guess. <laughs> Movies on the march. I haven't seen anything new that's not to say that i don't have eyes on a couple movies that are coming out i don't know i just don't go to like the big name ones as much as i used to well can i tell you i don't think that's true because the best thing i saw this week kind of factors into this little conversation because i watched scream six it's a good movie it's 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 kind of a lot of fun it's a lot of fun now here's my only concern has Dermot Mulroney only ever seen the Matthew Lillard performances of Scream and, like, nothing else? Because I feel I, like that was his direction. I mean, he did a great job. Um, oh, he's wonderful in it. I do think... I realized I, like, never rated it on Letterboxd. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? He's doing a lot. Like, almost too much. At times. Borderline too much. You know, I I kind of agree with you, but like, it's the first. It it actually felt okay that Sydney wasn't in it. Yeah, did I have I told you my big brain maybe overthinking it by like way too much thought about it? About no, because I don't think I'd seen it, and I didn't want you to ruin anything. That's probably true. So my the my way too online and uh to playing all the angles thought is that the, they they purposely concocted the like we're not going to pay to have sydney prescott in this so that they can get fans excited for a seventh installment where she shows back up see my harebrained get rich quick scheme is she was the killer in this one that's what i was hoping for that's I, that's a bridge a little bit too far Oh, I don't think it'll ever happen either, but it's like, I just kind of want that. Can I pitch you what I think the, the last, the, the next movie is going to be? You said the last. I don't know if it's going to be the last movie. I think they're building towards the main girl in this movie, like fighting Sidney Prescott. You think so? I don't know. I think they they get, they got this like whole ski Ulrich mess I don't you think know. the next one, she's the killer, and we just know from the jump. Maybe. I like that. I don't know. That sounds that. Yeah, maybe it sounds kind of dumb when you put it out like that. No, but I understand what you mean, though. I mean, I'll say this: I really liked like how they did like certain things that just kind of like threw out the rule book, like, but also like never fully stepped away from what the core thesis of that movie is. Like, when he removes his mask in the opening of that movie, I genuinely was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Like, what what the fuck is this? And then they subvert expectations by getting rid of that guy. They do. It's The way the movie starts is interesting. I think having Samantha Weaving do the Drew Barrymore of it all at the beginning, mm -hmm. I, think that, I, think that was, I think that was fun. I had a lot of fun with that. I don't know. They're, they're, it's, it's probably the best of the, of the, of, it's probably, it's better than the, the last one um and i think it's because it did it didn't have to have as much like table setting you kind of just like go and be its own thing agreed i would say if we if we're just going to do this now one two four six five three 
right. One, four, two, six, five, three. It was so funny. I was so where the count room in our in our places is right next to theater 26. And the day I went to see Scream, Scream, I was in the count room and it's in 26. And at one point, I'm just sitting there counting and I just hear she hasn't been with the FBI in two months. And I'm like, God damn it. Movie fucking just got ruined. And then it still wasn't like that's my favorite (laughs) moment in Scream 6 is me just sitting in the count room going, oh, fuck you. Kirby's the killer. God damn it. And then I'm like, oh, wait, maybe not. It's a good little swing, you know? Yeah. I, I I like didn't know where it was going. And then when it clicked, like right at the end, like when they were like, oh, it's Kirby. Um, spoiler alert, by the way. We should probably have one of us cut in with a spoiler alert <laughs> for Scream 6. Nah, fuck them. I think we should. Okay, well, but, I'll, I'll, for you, I'll do it. Not for them. Yeah, personally, you'll just have the dulcet tones of well, there will be a spoiler, much not a spoiler full discussion of Scream 6. Yeah, how will those corporations keep making money if we don't not spoil their movies? When it turns out like it's a family affair, I was just like sitting there being like, this is great. Like, I'm so pleased with what they did with this. It shouldn't work. And yet it kind of works the most it's worked. And I yeah. think I, I, I like the idea that there has only ever been one single soul killer. Like in any of the screams. Yeah. Now here's the question. Is that what they're doing with the next one? You know, I maybe I because think there's definitely a little bit of a setup for something to come. I don't really want to think about it just because I think it is more interesting to just not, you know, it's more interesting to just let the movies play out as they were. I love the idea that they broached the concept of Matthew Lillard still being alive. That is probably the coolest aspect of it. Cause you're just like, but man, he is alive. Isn't he sweet? Yeah. Like they should do the one that someone pitched where it's like, he's pulling the strings from jail. Or he's like out that too. I think you could feasibly argue that he could talk his way out of, I think it's more interesting for him to be back and be targeted. And not be a killer. I mean, there's an interesting idea. And he has to, he, no one trusts him and he has to like team up. Yeah. I mean, that almost feels like trying to redeem the Raptors in Jurassic Park for those, like those ones. It's like, I don't know if I want that. Oh no, no, no. You still have him undercut and do something shitty and then have him die. Like, (laughs) I'm not saying you fully redeem him. I'm just saying. Oh, that's fair. I'm just saying, I think that's a more... Because, like, if he's a killer, then, like, who cares? I'll say this. One of the coolest images of the year, and also is a very large indicator that you know it's not Kirby, is when both the the Ghostface stand up after just knifing Chad, like, 42... By the way, Chad somehow still survives. 
Like, why wouldn't he, you know? Yeah, but and then they both wipe their blades off together, and then you realize it's no way it's Kirby because each of those people are easily, like, three feet taller than Jenna Ortega, and, like, <laughs> Peyton Pantier is only, like, two feet taller than Jenna Ortega. In boots. Yeah, in boots. Yeah, that might be my favorite. One of the coolest images of the movie, when they both just wipe off the blood, you're like, oh, shit, there's two of them. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. We were sitting there and we were like, is there two? And then we were like, wait, is there three? And then like, we were like, nope, just two. And Dermot Mulroney. My God, it's already sold out. It hasn't been released yet. What's that? Goblin film versions and alternative rarities. The album well, I was looking at. That was the best thing I saw. What about you? Best thing I saw this week. I, in the, uh, fuck me, Letterbox. You really suck shit. Sometimes, <laughs> fucking Christ, man! Just I just I just I had it open and it was like signed back in, and I'm like I literally was just here five seconds ago. What are you doing? It's just that moment from Hamlet too. What's your fucking problem? What's your fucking deal, man? Ugh. Yeah. So I watched. Okay. Do you want the a uh, documentary from 2004 or a combination of films? Um, one from uh, 1972 and one from 1939. Uh, uh, let's let's do the first one. Yeah. Documentary. All right. I watched Metallica colon some kind of monster. I've heard of this documentary. It it's very funny. Um, it's great. It's directed by the people who did Paradise Lost. It's it's just so funny. Interesting. I don't know a thing about it. I just know it has Metallica. So it's about the band Metallica. It's They started filming in 2001, which is when Metallica's on this precipice. Jason Newstead, like, he quits. The band's like, we need, like, an intervention. We need, like, a therapist. And they begin therapy sessions. In the middle of the therapy sessions, Jason Hetfield realizes that he needs to like sober up um and like stop drinking so he goes into rehab and he is out of the band for 18 months um jesus and, and then the rest of the movie that's like the first hour the rest of the movie is them struggling to record saint anger an album that is was incredibly maligned at the time. It is a turbulent time for the band because they're going through that Napster lawsuit. Um, it's a fucking horror show. Uh, the it's it's a documentary that is like two and a half hours long, and it never. Oh my god! It never feels like any of it isn't earned. It's incredible, and it has maybe my favorite shot of all time which is Lars Ulrich wow. one of them which is like Lars Ulrich like sitting on a couch talking about how much he loves his giant best squat painting while his his child in the other room is yelling for him it is incredible it is a definitely a weird fucking movie <laughs> so it's just like this filmmaker kind of just caught on at this moment that was like the perfect storm of insanity Filmmakers, friend. It is made Filmmakers. by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky, who are best known for the documentary series that they directed with each other, Paradise Lost. That's right. 
I don't think I know Paradise Lost. You don't know Paradise Lost, the child, the child murders at Robin Hood Hills? Oh, maybe I do. This is the three guys who were convicted, like, falsely. Yes. Yeah, like the, what are they called? What's their They're name? called the, the West Memphis Three. Yes, the West Memphis Three. Yes, uh, I think I saw a Peter Jackson documentary on it once. Peter Jackson, he did a documentary of them, like, coming out of jail, I believe. Um, Hold on. I could be wrong, but there was a documentary about them that, like, I don't think Peter Jackson directed, I think he produced. But the other guy in the berlinger Stanowski duo uh, went on to recently release uh, the John Wayne Gacy tapes um, and also Conversations with the Killer, uh, the Ted Bundy tapes, and also did... Extremely wicked, shocking, evil, and vile. A bad movie. I saw that movie. It's, it's whatever. It's not a bad movie. It's whatever. He also did the crime scene, The Vanishing at Caesar Hotel, which is a horrible series that I have a ton of problems with. I think I watched West of Memphis is what it is. West of Memphis. By Amy yeah. Berg. It's a good movie. By Amy Berg. Yeah, it is. It's really well done, if that's the one I'm thinking of. Interesting. So it's just like kind of Metallica going off the rails. Man, that does actually sound kind of appealing. It's very good. And if you've ever seen Paradise, the Paradise Lost movies, it's three movies. Um, the first one in 96, the second one in 2000. And the third one is Purgatory. It's from 2011. It's about them attempting to get out of jail and finding a way out. Well, I might have to look into those. So... Herein lies my last question before we get on to our two movies of the night. Number one, have you seen the Asteroid City trailer? What do you think, man? I don't think you have, but no. I thought I'd just ask, you know, maybe maybe you wanted to have a conversation with your old friend Ben, but I, I guess that's not in the cards. No. And it looks like a Wes second, Anderson movie. It does look like a Wes Anderson movie. And my second question to you is, have you seen the Master Gardener trailer? No, but that's that's for the opposite reason. That's not out of <laughs> lack of dis, like disinterest. That is because I am saving myself for <laughs> to be completely clean when that movie, when I step into let, the... Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you. We are in for a fucking ride. I already know too much, and that's all I'll say. Just dust off a solid number six, I would say. <laughs> I looked at this and I was like, oh, oh no, oh no, this could be bad, but this could also be fucking brilliant. I I think, I don't think it'll be as high as First Reformed and it probably won't be as high as the Oscar Isaac movie, but goddamn, when Paul Schrader has a man in a room writing in a journal, I'm in. It's it's very true. You're just like, man, I like to watch that guy make movies about people writing in journals. I like. Ugh. Well, now that we've <laughs> talked about those two, and I don't think anything comes out this weekend, Dungeons and Dragons, but who cares? Um, I mean, there's a, I got a little psychological horror, um, if people, I don't, I keep, keep it on people's radars, it's called Aeneas Men. It is a folk horror, directed by Mark Jenkins, I've heard, is very good. Where can you um, find this? Right now, um, in your local movie theater, if your movie theater plays really cool shit it's playing in some amcs um i think it'll eventually be on streaming i i'm sorry don't i don't know where um what's it called again it is called 
Enos, E-N-Y-S, men. Um, it is about people living on the Cornish Isle, uh, Cornish coast. And then, yeah, so it turns into a nightmare. It's directed by a guy who I had tickets to go see his movie Bait, and then COVID happened. So I'm still mad about that. Nope, we get Spinning Gold and Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. Don't yell about um, Dungeons and Dragons. I've heard it's actually not terrible. No, I've heard that too. I've actually heard someone described it as Monty Python with $100 million of CGI. And I was like, I don't hate that actually. The, there's a joke at the that I've seen in the trailer multiple times where the guy is yelling at a corpse. And they're like, okay, yes. Three, three questions, and then they like immediately have them go <laughs> like immediately just through talking to each other. I love that. I think it's funny. I'm like, yeah, more fucking Abbott and Costello bits in movies. I don't hate it. I will give you that. That scene did make me laugh when I saw it as well. I will say to you that Air is coming out in a week, and I'm very fucking excited for Air. I might use a movie pass to go see Air on like a Tuesday or something. I really still wish you like we lived close enough to like go see movies together because like there are some movies I would just drive like like 40 minutes to go see you just to like go sit and watch air because like you and I would just be being like this fucking whips. What a picture, you know, I watched Creed three today and rough time to watch that movie. Yeah, well, believe me, (laughs) let me tell you, that character feels a lot more real now. Yeah. Hmm. That's but I went and watched it, and I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what the worst part about Creed 3 is? And I'm like, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, now the second worst part about Creed 3. The wor- <laughs> second worst part about Creed 3 is that he is so much better than Michael B. Jordan in that movie. It really, really sucks. I, um, And what, what and you know, and I don't want to make this about me, and I'm not trying to make, you know, domestic violence about uh, uh, me, but I did... I was I was thinking about it the other day where I was just like I really was like all in on this guy and then I immediately have to be like ah fucking great train live fucking last train to Yuma canceled still watching his shit I don't care like if he's in a movie I'm not gonna not go see that movie if it's I mean, good yeah like, like yeah I'm not gonna see it but I do think I do think we need a cultural conversation about like <laughs> Just like replatforming abusers, just because they're oh, a hundred percent agreed, a hundred percent agreed. And if he if he doesn't get to work because this came out, good, he shouldn't work. But I'm also saying like if he's in a movie, like I can't help that that dude is like the best part of like some movies he's in. Like he's he's a fun, like honestly, if this had not come out, I really think they might have tried to do something. With, like he's incredible in that movie. Like it sucks how good he is in that movie it's a real bummer especially with all yeah. the stuff that is, i mean not just like the the domestic violence stuff like he was also in like a really fucking greasy army ad that was supposed to come out that was like aimed at like the youth of america and i'm like that's not cool that's also really Wild. bad not as bad as domestic violence but you know still pretty fucking bad so it's a it's a 50 50 split is what you're saying no it's more of like a 70 30 yeah, that's fair. Well, I think we shouldn't waste any more time and we should get on to these two movies in space, which I got to tell you, I thought I was going to be putting on my space kicking boots for one of these movies, but I was wrong. You know, I put on one boot. 
I'm gonna hop around and kick it. Yeah, no, I I'm gonna be really lopsided, but you know, right. I do think it sort of deserves it. <laughs> oh, oh, no disagreement. Yo, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll but, get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, we, the we got a movie, long we got a long talk yeah. ahead of us for abyss in space. <laughs> it is kind of the abyss in space, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've, no one's ever perfectly personified a movie. We could just skip it right now. You've just kind of summed it up perfectly, actually. You just go straight to ratings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do Outland first. And our first movie comes from 1981. And what is, I've been told, a remake of High Noon. But, I mean, like, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think it is. I think it's kind of its own movie. But it stars Sean Connery, Peter Boyle, Francis Sterhagen, and is about a marshal who is on one of the moons of Jupiter and he's on a mining colony and he starts to find out that, you know, maybe not everything's good on this mining colony. And Sean Connery's not going to put up with that. Even if his wife leaves him, even if a bunch of people come to kill him, let me tell you, man, when you're out there, you're in his outland. Fine, not a war. You did, Doctor. I said 100, not 1,000. You said 1,000. I said 100, which can't be mistaken for anything except 100. It doesn't sound remotely like 1,000. Listen, you'll hear what I mean. 1,000. 100. They are totally different. You think they sound the same? Who are you, anyway? Are you Dr. Lazarus? Yes, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. That's a doctor joke. Are you the new marshal? Yes. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. I got an alibi. I got four people who swear they were playing poker with me. I've never heard that one before. That's really funny. Sorry. Yesterday, a man deliberately went into the atmosphere without his pressure suit. Yes. A couple of days before that, another man cut his suit open on purpose. It happens here. How often? I don't know. It just happens here. Why? I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't tell you why. Some people just can't take it here after a while. Did you do autopsies? No. Why not? In the first place, the company wanted the body shipped out quickly. In the second place, when a person exposes himself to zero-pressure atmosphere, there isn't a whole lot left to inspect. In the third place, you're becoming a nuisance. Yes, I know. I would like a report of all of these incidents that have happened during the past six months. I'd like it really soon. Or I might just kick your nasty ass all over this room. That's a Marshall joke. God damn it. <laughs> What's that? Took me a second. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Out. It is Outland. Did you catch where this takes place? Because I think they only very briefly mention it. On the opening scroll. It's one of the moons of Jupiter, right? It is. It's Io, one of the moons of Jupiter. Um, Interesting. Yeah, apparently, from the way the movie portrays it, this place is a fucking shithole. It doesn't seem good. I'll tell you, this is the first movie that made me believe that the world of Alien had a bigger universe to it. Because I was watching this and I was like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't not believe if the Nostromo pulled up and just like refueled here at one scene. Like, it's that kind of gross, dirty sci-fi. It's real, real gross. I don't. I I don't know how to describe it because like it it feels sort of like the like the eighties were the last grasp. I guess eventually this type of movie would build up to like Total Recall, where you have like this like last grasp of like giant Vista style 
like establishing shots that are like hand painted and definitely made by someone that they use like seven times. Um, and everything else is like a, like a set that was made out of cardboard. It's really, it's really interesting. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean to, to knock it cause the, 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 the setting and everything looks really good. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it was shot. I don't work. think you're, I don't think you're knocking it. I think I know exactly what you mean. This feels like the last movie last time with movies where movies were handmade. Like when you look yeah. at something and you watch someone put their hand against something that looks textured, you're like, that's probably really that texture. Yeah. And I think you kind of, you know, we'll talk about it with the next movie, but you do miss it sometimes. You know, though, I don't think the next movie suffers from that problem particularly. No, no. And we'll, again, we'll talk about it. I think that next movie is probably the last time you could make a movie that is, has mostly handmade stuff at that book. Oh, for sure. I mean, movies just movies just changed at one point. It's a shame because, like, the movies we like are not the movies that are now. But sometimes, sometimes Hollywood accidentally makes one that's good. You know, it's true. I think we're well. We'll get a couple this year. We'll yeah, you know what? That's true. There's not. There's not like yeah. There's not like it's all. I tell you what, we won't be getting. What's that? Fucking Outland. We'll be getting that anytime soon. No, this movie. I don't think they make this movie anymore. No, the movie that was made on like a $15 million budget and makes 20 million, like that middle class in movies has completely died. Um, oh yeah. No, you either, you either fail completely or you succeed completely. There's not just like, Oh man, we got 5 million bucks back on that. That's pretty dope. You know what movie this is today? Unfortunately, this is 65 movies like the 65 did not work. But like sixty five back in the day, that would have cleaned. That would have done an easy five. Million. Yeah, no, it would. Have, they would have made it on like on fifteen million. You're like, oh, Adam Driver's in this. You know, people show up thirty million. Boom, great. Who cares? It's in the. It's it, you made a profit. Turn it. Turn that thirty million into a movie with five million. Turn that into fifteen million. And turn that into it. You know what I mean? Like you just like fold it in on yeah. itself. That's not how, you know, movies are particularly made anymore. No, they're this, not. The, the funny thing about this movie is, like, Peter Hams was just like, I'm just going to write a space western. And then, like, just sent the script around, and Sean Connery was like, I want to do this. And they were like, okay, It's wild it. Connery wants to do this. It makes sense. But, I mean, like, here's my question. Does it? Because, like, I wonder if this is the movie that sets off a chain reaction where he does, like, this... And then, like, later on, he gets spooked and turns down, like, Lord of the Rings and, like, uh, The Matrix. I don't think so. I think he turned down The Matrix because he and Lord of the Rings because he's an old fucking man and, like, just was like, I'm, I'm done. But I do think this and Time Bandits specifically are the reason why he turns back to do a James Bond movie. Interesting. He's um, good in both of these. Two in both of those two. He is. He's great in this. But this is not this was not considered it's now considered like a cult. Um Oh, this action. was he was slumming it, you can tell. You, oh, absolutely. You can tell people think he was slumming it at the time. Absolutely. I mean if you read the if you read the reviews, everybody's like, fucking, why would you make high noon in space? That doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you? And to be fair, I think I think the movie takes a little bit too much time getting going, but I, I think it works. I think it's definitely, it's kind of weird seeing 
<laughs> it's kind of weird seeing Sean Connery in this because you're just like, why, why are you here, old man? But it feels like a continuation of the guy who would be in like the offense or meteor. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think its biggest problem just lies in the fact that he is like Connery never struck me as one of those guys who understood the assignment of you have to make people believe like what you're doing, even though how stupid it is, like is viable. Like, and luckily this movie is a lot more like grounded in reality. So it's not like there's scenes where like he has to be next to like a giant talking like alien that's not there. Like, if, does that make sense? Yes. I think you stretch the sense this, this type of, okay. I think Sean Connery has a very good charisma where you're just like, I just trust Sean Connery is just, it's an old type of Hollywood acting and just like charisma and, and just knowing how to project yourself and knowing where to stand and just like how to, how to look that you don't really have anymore where it's just like a John Wayne type where you just like see him and you're like, I know this guy's a bastard in real life, but for like an hour and 40 minutes, you're like, this guy is a fucking marshal in space. And I trust him. And you and I don't know how they do it, but they it still works on me, goddammit. No, it really does. Like that that's the fucking weird part about it, is like how good he actually like is at playing that character. Like I don't even know how to like really describe it. Like there's just kind of this weird like sense to him. Like you give Sean Connery just like a shotgun. Also, too, that's the other thing I kind of like about this. The guns are not futuristic. Like, the technology doesn't feel like it's too far out of grasp. No, they're just guns. And I think that's I think that's kind of cool. Like, he just uses yeah. a shot-off shotgun. I'm just like, fuck yeah. I think the reason the movie itself works so well is because you immediately buy into the world. Like, it, it really does a lot of the shoe leather of, like, making sure that you... That, like, the world itself, like, the mining operation, just how dirty and gross everything is. That, like when you see him doing like detective work and everybody's just kind of like, dude, like, what are you doing? You get the sense of like how the world is running and you kind of get the feeling that like, Oh yeah, this guy, like he's, a, oh, he's, an, inter he's an interloper. He is. Yeah. He's, he just yeah. doesn't, you know, he just doesn't know. Like, it's not like he doesn't know. It's, it's like he is chafing against a system. Um, well, Boyle's character, Peter Boyle, who fucking destroys in this movie for like 10 minutes, says it to him. He goes like, look, man, I run my people hard, but like it's kind of understood that like up here, like it's kind of it's kind of freedom land. Like you're not allowed to fuck with people up here. It's maybe not necessarily like freedom land, but it's the place where people who don't have anything either go or end up. It's a. Alaska is what it is. Yeah, it's like a, you're a fucking ice road trucker or on like one of those like crab vessels. Like that's that's where these people are coming from. They're they're, they're you know, they're not I'm not going to say not moral upstanding citizens of the world. It's more or less that they are they're desperate. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, desperate for different things, but they're still all desperate. Yeah, they are 100% desperate, aren't they? 
So Connery kind of just starts to find out that there are, like, drugs and, like, shit's going wrong. Like, it's weird that prostitution's 100% legal, but, like... Also, too, that's the one thing this movie doesn't do that I like High Noon for better. High Noon has him explore the relationship between the two women. That's not even remotely addressed. No. Like, it's like Peter Hyman was like, that part sucked, and, and was like, let's get that out of there. It's like, no, you idiot, that's one of the better parts. I just think he he just didn't fit the script he was writing um, where his wife immediately lives or leaves. Right? She's just gone. She's just like, nah, I'm good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, if I had been following my husband all over the fucking galaxy and he ends up at this fucking place, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Like, what is this? What is this shit? You brought us here. And it feels like it was kind of his choice, too. Like, like he could have had something better. I don't think it was. I think... I, I don't know if if I'm reading into it, but there is a moment where they're, like, arguing when they both kind of agree that, like, yeah, I keep getting really shitty assignments. Like, <laughs> I just keep getting... Well, and he's she's kind of she's, the Serpico of, like, the cops. He's like, I'm not going to take a bribe. I'm not going to look the other way. Yeah, he's he plays by the rules. Yeah. It's, once again, it's a very narrow... <laughs> it's a very... Um, there's only been, like, a couple of cinematic portrayals of loose cannon cops who play by the rules. Um, this this high Blue noon, Vengeance. Blue Vengeance. <laughs> The other thing I don't like is that he doesn't know the criminals who are coming to, like, take him out. That's the other I thing they fuck up on. I was also going to say that that's a big problem. I think that's one of the great things about High Noon. Yeah. Is that most of the movie takes place in real time, which is great. But, like, also, you know the gang who's coming to kill him. Well, because he dealt with them before. That's why it's great. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think... I think you you miss something when it's just like some dudes that Peter Boyle hired. Yeah. I mean Peter Boyle's a bastard in his own right too. He's great. When he's playing he's, he's like, such a he's such a prick. That scene where he's playing virtual golf, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Absolutely. You're just like, man, Giovanni Urbisi is gonna rip you off in like thirty years for Avatar. Absolutely. As he should. Yeah. That's true. If you're gonna crib, crib from the best. What else do you want to talk about with this movie? Like, what's your favorite scene? The, the one person. So we've talked about two of the main actors. I do want to talk about um, Frances Sternhagen. Really um, good. She's great in this. And I feel like she doesn't get a whole lot of love as an actress, mostly because most of her acting was done in a place where no one was allowed to record it. So, you know, she kind of has like a couple of roles i think most notably for our podcast is she's um in raising cane uh she's uh, dr that Lynn is Marvin, her, isn't it in that, that is beautiful oneer from uh raising cane that goes through the like entire courthouse it's pretty crazy and she's definitely virginia in misery oh yeah her husband gets ventilated by a shotgun yeah sadly yes you remember the sweet old man from Great Story? Remember him? I don't, know, I don't know why we keep bringing him up, but uh, yeah, I remember him. 
It's it's to hurt you mostly. Every time you uh, tell me you got to see the Irishman on 35 or whatever the hell it is that you use to hurt me. It was I just shot on digital. They wouldn't have shown it in 35. Uh, well, but well, I, don't, in the I don't remember what it was you saw on 35. But whatever you do to hurt Please. me with that, that's when I pack away the knowledge of like, yeah, I'm going to get him with this. That's that's where it comes from. Just just so I, you know, you know, I, I like it. I like that. I like that you that it's barbed. And you just you like hurting, you know, it's great. It's great. It's it's good. Oh, 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 you don't you don't even know. I'm, no, not true. Not true at all. It's <laughs> too bad to a really dark place. I was like that went that went that that should probably get that's probably get um, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, by the way, have you watched Yellow Jackets? My wife loves Yellow Jackets. It's kind of fun, actually. Yeah. I've been enjoying it recently. Oh, succession! Oh, Jesus. Christ. Oh, did you watch? Did you watch the first episode of the season? Yep, caught up all the way, baby. Fucking a! How good is that? It's good. <sighs> Brian Cox just sitting across from that guy, being like, "You're my buddy," and you're just like, "This is so sad." <laughs> like <laughs> that man has so much money and yet is so sad. I love how sad he is. I think. Yeah. It, it's great. It's good. You deserve it. Congratulations on the number 10, you fucking morons. Congratulations on saying the biggest number you could think of. Yes, that's right. Well, go back to putting dad's in your mouth. We'll talk to you later. Just hangs up the phone. Again, edit that out out of context. I think that's, uh, and that's just how I end that. It's just like the trail off into infinity. When Greg has the moment where he says, what did he say to you? He goes, well, I told him the truth. And he called me a disgusting person, but he had a smile on his face. <laughs> uh, what a fucking, what a show. Anyway. It's such a good show. So Sean Connery has like a problem with Peter Boyle. And I mean, it comes down to him like facing off against like four other dudes with a shotgun and they've got shotguns. And then he just kind of gets them. I do think the finale is really like the only part of the movie where I'm like, ah, I could have done with a little bit more here, but I understand why it's kind of abrupt. You kind of got to get to the runtime. I, like I said, I just wish I'm like, I hey, could have done more. Maybe I think the movie earns its conclusion, especially that last moment where he's like, comes back to the bar and everybody's like, Whoa, fuck. He's still alive. <laughs> Whoa, shit. They they are kind of like, whoa, fuck, you still alive, aren't they? And like, also like, whoa, fuck, buddy, are you good? Yeah, and then he lays out Peter Boyle, and he's like, he's just like, who else wants some? I'm gonna go be in Highlander in a couple years. I'm gonna be a Spanish man, but I'm gonna do this accent. You're just like, this is a weird choice. Like, sure, I guess. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but you know. He's no, a, he, no, it yeah. does not. What's your favorite scene? What is my favorite scene in that movie? Honestly, like the scene where he just talks to Peter Boyle and Peter Boyle's like, look, man, I run a clean operation here. He goes, but some things you got to let go. He goes, it's cool if they get high. Like, what do you care? And then he's just like, I'm going to take you down. He's like, you're going to try, like, but I'm going to win. He goes, I've been here a lot longer than you have. To not take the same answer as you, I think I will say my favorite scene. I think it's when with Cannery and uh, and Sternhagen where they're like trying to figure out the the is it DNA? No, it's the 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 amphetamine drug, 
and she's yes. just like well, she's just like i suck at computers i think that's really funny and also <laughs> i love the horrible technology um absolutely love a bad a bad technological mistake you know what i mean like it's great and the way that they treat it with like oh my god look how fast it is and it's like no it's not it's like that's and it's like it's a fucking ti-81 you know what i mean yeah. like it's fucking it's you can hear it whirring <laughs> yeah like it's that loud you're like can we turn down the computer can we turn the computer off in the shots where it's just their faces so we can hear them talk we know it's not like it's not a real computer, but like I just think it's so funny when they're like, "Look it at is this! Very funny. Look at how great this can hold four megabytes of of memory." You're just like, "That's not a lot." Uh, it can hold a terabyte. It's true. So, what is your elevator pitch for this movie? Hey, yo, Sean Connery plays the Gary Cooper role in uh, in High Noon. Oh, wait, no, you're not sold because you don't like Westerns anymore. All right, it's in space, baby. It's in space. That's fair. And you what know that you alien par- movie that did well a couple of years ago? What if we just did that, but it's it's High Noon? That is kind of what it is. Like I said, it feels like Alien. It does. It really, it really has a, a an Alien-type vibe. I was trying to think of other movies from the time that it would maybe be like kind of ripping off. And Star Wars is, I think, very popular at the time. But it doesn't feel like it's ever close to ripping off Star Wars. Like, I'm trying to think of like why this got greenlit. Someone took a chance, someone had a little like, extra money, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I I just I love these 80s like alien crash in movies. I think they're really interesting. Yeah, they are. What do you pair with this? Why are you asking me? I paired these movies. What do you pair it with? Ah, uh, damn it. You know, actually, I'd probably pair it with like 2012's Dread. That movie actually feels like it's real in some ways, if that makes sense. You're right. If I were to like gun to my head, I can pick whatever movie I want to pair with this. I would probably pair it with Capricorn One, which is another I've Peter. Seen that movie. Yeah, it's another Peter Hames movie. Hey, our hmm. director, who we didn't really talk much about. Um, what do you tell me about this guy? He made Capricorn One. He made a lot of stuff. He made End of Days, which is I think a low-key kind of banger. Or he executive produced the Monster Squad. He directed uh, 2010, the year we make Contact. Um, wait, wait, wait. This motherfucker directed the Monster Squad? No, he executive produced the Monster Squad, but oh, he did okay. direct gonna... and executive produced the great double, like I think two great buddy cop movies uh, almost a decade apart. 1974's Busting with uh, Elliot Gould and Robert Blake. Um, you know, Robert Blake, not a good guy, but you know. And Running Scared with Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. I love Running Scared. Running Scared's a great movie. It is. It really is. Busting is not a title that has aged well. No, nor is the, the, the one of the main characters. One of the main guys in it has, has aged pretty fucking poorly. But Busting, well, I believe, is the inspiration for Starchkin Hutch. Interesting. 
Well, I'll say this. It's a shame I don't own the movie he did three years after Outland, because that would have paired perfectly with the next movie we talk about. 2010, the year we make contact. Exactly. But before we can get to the movie that would pair perfectly with that, I have to ask you, what do you give Outland? I give Outland a very solid four out of five. I'm giving it three and a half. So we're super close. I think three and a half is where my gut went, but I was just like, I don't know. I had a fucking whale of a time watching this. That's fair. That's fair. This does seem like a real you movie in some ways. It does. Whereas the next movie remains to be seen. <laughs> on paper, it sh- on the on paper, it should be a you movie. Or I guess I'll take us on to our next yeah, one. Not my job, yeah. dude. I, I, I know. Had... It's true. You are. You These have are your the night movies. off from this job. Yes. Thank you. I'm aware. Uh, I remember sitting there and I've done this once or twice this year where I'll put on a movie and I'll be like, you fucking bought this. You'll never watch this again, you son of a bitch. However, the next movie we're going to talk about, I have seen probably like in chunks, like seven to eight times. And the reason is, and we're going to get into this, I'm going to tell Tyler a story about something that used to exist. This was on the Stars Repeat channel a ton back in the 2000s. And this is a movie that has a cast that's going to make you say, how have I never heard of this movie by a filmmaker, which you would then again say, how have I never heard of this movie? It's the story of the first mission to the big red planet. And unfortunately, things go wrong. So, you know, like man does, let's double down and send another mission to find out what happened. It's the movie that stars Tim Robbins, Gary Sinise, Don Cheadle, Connie Nielsen, Jerry O'Connell, and is by far one of the weirdest swings Brian De Palma has ever taken, and yet in some ways might be kind of just like the exact right tone at moments. This is 2000's Mission to Mars. Do you know the backstory to this movie? I mean, they go to Mars. What, what, what are we talking about here? No, like the production history. I know that another movie came out at the same time called Red Planet. And then everybody was like, that's probably the better movie. Um, right? I've never and seen I, it. I remember that correctly. I think the reception was that it was the, the better movie. I could be wrong. Um, and I, I guess I will look it up. Because I'm a fucking know-it-all. Uh, Red Planet. But while I'm looking this up, I will start the story. So this, from from anybody who has maybe watched it, oh my god, that cast is so 2000. Holy fuck. 
for anybody who has watched it, Mission to Mars starts with the wonderful logo of Touchstone Pictures. And I don't know if you know anything about Touchstone Pictures and Buena Vista Pictures and, you know, Spyglass and all that, but they were owned by Disney. And Touchstone specifically, this is, I think, around the time they go, maybe we shouldn't do Touchstone Pictures anymore because of this and The Insider and another, like, notoriously giant flop. But at this time, at Touchstones, they were like, at Touchstone, they were like, we have these park properties, Disneyland, and Disney World, and, and uh, you know, Epcot and all these places. Like, why don't we try and make movies out of them? And I think this is one of the first ones, if I'm not mistaken. But this weird idea, you know, for them to, like, let's take the Mission to Mars attraction originally called rocket to the moon and let's you know let's make it into a movie this would eventually pay off pretty fucking big for disney when they uh did a little movie called pirates of the caribbean about three years after this so this was the one that had to go through the door and get shot in the face huh this kind of i don't know if it's a very good movie it's an interesting movie with a lot of good elements but it, let's just say it's maladjusted for what it's meant to be. I think its problem lies in the fact that it doesn't know if it wants to be a survival movie or if he wants to do Kubrick's 2001. I think he's kind of split on his ideas here. So Red Planet, for anybody who wanted me to to, to learn this information after I said that it was the, the one that was you know, the better movie um, is it's a horrible bomb. 14% yep. on tomatoes uh, did not make much of its money back. Um, and uh, Roger Ebert kind of gave it like a, eh, it would have been great in the fifties. You know, that's a pretty high compliment though, in some ways it is, but it's also feels like Roger Ebert talk for like, you're a director who should kill themselves. Like you should never make a movie again. <laughs> Directors just hear it differently. No, yeah, it would be great if it were in the 50s and you're just yeah. like, you're a bastard, Roger Ebert. <laughs> I think this movie also would have been better. And it feels like a 50s. It, for most of its runtime, feels like a 50s going to another planet movie. And then, and we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean... What can you say? Don Cheadle and his team are on Mars and they're like, we, we're we're looking into stuff. It's it's going on. We we might be able to colonize Mars one day. And then they go out and all of a sudden there's this big dust storm that's like, nah, I don't think you're going to colonize Mars. Wham, wham. Nails three out of the four of them. Don Cheadle, they can't tell if he's alive. And then Gary Sinise, Jerry O'Connell. It's just such a 2000s cast, too. It's so funny. It's incredible. My, my Tim wife... Robbins and Connie Nielsen are like, we got to go to Mars. And then like Armin Stoller is like, well, I don't know if I can send you to Mars. And then he sends them to Mars because the movie doesn't go forward. Like why would, what would happen if they didn't go to Mars? Like what's the name of the movie? Nothing to Mars. Yeah. You know what I mean? We thought about, <laughs> like, we thought about going to Mars. We thought about going to Mars. We bought a Mars, Ben. I mean, I'll say this. I think my favorite part about this movie is that Tim Robbins is reverse Matt Damon from Interstellar. Oh, 
fuck, he looks so evil at the beginning. You're like, that's the bad guy. That's like you think he's to gonna pick, be. If I had to pick one guy to get space madness in this movie, it would be him. And nope. No, he just fucking sacrifices himself. It's great. Great moment. A plus. It was like, no, it's Tim Robbins. He's not gonna die. There's no way Tim Robbins is gonna die. Like you know, top build actor. And I was like, Yeah. No, I think it's the Brian De Palma movie. He's probably gonna die. <laughs> It is weird. Like, I watched two Brian De Palma movies in the last week, and, like, the only reason, like, Carlito's Way didn't make it onto my best of list is because I don't want to, like, talk about it here to overshadow, because I'll just spend, like, the whole movie being like, you know what's a better movie? Carlito's Way. You want to talk about Carlito's <laughs> Way? I, no, I do not want to talk. I don't. I mean, I do, and I don't. He is not Puerto Rican, and yet it still does not distract from how he good is that no movie is. Near Port- I mean, he's no. Italian. He can be any race, whatever, I guess. Yeah, it's true. No, that's not true. <laughs> That's not true. Walk that back immediately. I mean, it was one of those things where, like, Brian De Palma was like, well, I already had him be Cuban, so, like, he can be Puerto Rican. Yeah. (laughs) Puerto Rican, Cuban, Italian, it's all the same thing, long as Brian De Palma gets his coke and makes his movies. I mean, it kind of makes sense for, for Pacino to play... Actually, now that I think about it, he could be, like, one of those white Cubans that, like, fled Castro. It's true. It's very true. I mean, Jerry O'Connell's playing a black man in this movie. Yeah, you would never guess it. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's really weird. strange. <laughs> no, no. Jerry O'Connell John... is the whitest person ever, and he is like the one name in the cast list where I'm like, how the fuck did you get here? Well, and here's the other thing too. Don't you Don have to Cheadle. be in a movie with a fucking kangaroo? Don Cheadle, bye, he's a scientist. Tim Robbins, bye, he's a scientist gary sinise bye he's a scientist connie nielsen bye he's a scientist no chance jerry o'connell's ever been a scientist yeah yeah it's so wild i'm just like that guy doesn't even know what a fucking computer is no and yet there's that scene where he's got the he's got the uh like the m&ms and he's like he goes that's my perfect woman and you're like you don't know what you're talking about it's a very cute moment and you're just like i fucking dude Get the fuck out of here. So you think this is too saccharine? I think it is too saccharine. You've read my letterbox review. I did. I did read your letterbox. I try not to, but this one I was just like, I was just like interesting to see what, what he gave this. And because we were like supposed to record and then we put it off. You sound like you're doing much better, by the way. I am. Yeah. I completely lost my voice on the day we were supposed to record. I woke up and Jesus just could Christ. not talk. And I was just like, Ugh. what the fuck happened? And I think it was just allergies. It's pretty bad allergy season up here, and I, you know, took some some stuff. I I, I sound a lot better after you a do. whole day of talking at work. So <laughs> it's just, yeah, woke up, was like, what? <laughs> Why can't I speak? Um, and did a quick little, quick little, re, like not like a rewatch, but, you know, went through it, watched some scenes. You know, I think the other thing is, too, you said that you expected Tim Robbins to be the villain. There is no villain in this movie. The villain is just space. The villain is just the, the uncaring, vacuous nature of the of just humans against the void. I do love a movie of man versus nature. Baby, this is a nature. This is humans versus just nothing. Just the, Well, yeah, no, but the I mean, dark nature reaches is space. Yeah, exactly. Even though this movie made $10 million more than it spent, I do kind of appreciate like what Brian De Palma is doing at moments in this movie. He's really going for it. I think there's a lot of moments in the movie where the script just 
didn't have anything. And Brian De Palma was like, all right, I'm going to take that time to make a five minute purposeful dolly shot <laughs> where we're going around the space station and it's going to make he's some, just doing, some he's punk. just doing an homage to Absolutely. Kubrick right there. Absolutely. But there's still so many moments in where I'm just like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, it's all practical. Oh yeah. Like I was thinking about the shot where they're like walking on the thing. And I'm just like, that's so simple. It's just like the thing moves with the camera. So it makes it look like it's either going upside down, but I was still just like, how do they do that? How do they get the ladder to work? Like, how do they, what do they have? What? <laughs> like, I can tell you, I can tell you how. I know how I, I yeah. you know, like, I, like my brain knows how, but like in the moment, I'm just like, what the fuck? No, you're, you're still fooled. Yeah. Cause I mean, like my eyes, like then. that shouldn't fucking work. I'll tell you this too. Okay. So I, I was telling you this in the intro, the stars repeat channel. Every week, stars had one show. So stars had like stars encore, um, like stars Latino, stars Western. Like if you bought the stars package, you got like nine different stars channels, but they all were like themed. Stars repeat was they had five movies on the channel and just played them back to back to back for a week. I know, right? So if you had something good, you just had to wait like till four other movies banged out and then you could just watch it again. Oh, God, the way that I would just get fucking so stoned and just be like, whatever is on stars, repeat, repeat. I'm just going to watch them all. I mean, it was kind of a great way to crush movies, but this was on there. Like, I remember this and Psycho 99 were on the stars repeat one day, and I was just watching, like, through them. I was just like, God damn, what a time to be alive. Wow, what a fucking insane double feature. Yeah, I know. But at one point too, like you would just be like, if it was if it was stuff you hated, you'd be like, God damn it, it's this again. It's like, God damn it, it's like fucking Lake House know. again. Spice World is on again. Like Ooh, Bethany actually, was stoked on that. Actually, what's that? I was kind of yeah. stoked on Spice World. <laughs> I know you were. I, know I you was were. a child. Okay. Spice World. Spice World is a fun little romp. I will give it that. Yeah, it's it's not terrible. You know what would be uh, a movie that I'd be like, fuck, it's this movie again. It's Pat. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's a rough, it's a rough watch. Yep. So, I mean, they they go to Mars, and I mean, like, not everyone makes it. But you know, the weirdest thing is Don Cheadle is still alive. Don Cheadle living, I think, is great. I think that's a A plus. More Don Cheadle. I think the way that everybody else on that mission dies is so graphic and cool for a movie that is literally rated PG. Not PG it is 13, pretty crazy. Not R. No, PG. There's no real blood in any of the shots, but like, whoo, it's bad. Yeah, the tornado thing does just kind of eviscerate three of them. And then when Tim Robbins pulls his helmet off, you're just like, oh shit. It, the tornado literally spins a guy's limbs completely apart. That is pretty dope. A plus, whoever thought of that. Yeah, but you can't see the blood because of Mars. So, I mean, you that's why the they blood were able to get it's away. It's on the red planet. The one person yeah. gets hit in the face with a rock. Yeah, that's wild, too. Love it. Love It's love. very Indiana Jones violence, though, where it's there, but it's not. You know what I think they were? They looked at and they were like, I want one of these. I think they looked What's at Jurassic Park. And they're like, give us a Jurassic Park, but, like, based around Mission to Mars. 
I mean, that's that's not untrue. I totally see what you mean. It just doesn't play the same way. And it just doesn't have that same ability to capture like the magic of what they're trying to do because we don't know like how that feels. I, I don't know. It's weird. Like Spielberg it, nails something just like slightly more that De Palma just can't quite tap into. I think it's because Spielberg is a better not a better all-around director, because I think there's things that De Palma does that I don't think Spielberg would even want to try. Like, De Palma's great at, like, horror and tension, and I think I think and when he's allowed to do that in this movie, he really pays off. But he's not great at spectacle. And I think that's what this movie mostly is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a pretty four-quadrant spectacle movie where you go... You get your popcorn and you watch fucking Tim Robbins save Don Cheadle. And then Tim Robbins fucking pulls his helmet off and dies in a moment that is like genuinely like a little too saccharine. But like, I'm like, that's a pretty good emotional beat. And like, I think it makes sense for the movie. But like, there's so many other aspects of the movie where I'm just like, fucking just like calm it down a little bit. Like, we're too big. We're, we're kind of losing it here and i think a big part of what draw, what brings me out of it and i hate to say this because i love the i love the man and i i am looking at six vinyls that i own of his but any of morricone's score in this drives me fucking insane i don't hate it like i kind of feel like ennio marconi's score like in this movie like plays and i think i know why it drives you nuts it kind of plays the way Barton Fink writes that script in Barton Fink, where it's like, I think Ennio Marconi was just trying to show you something beautiful and nobody was quite ready to accept that. I disagree. I think he is attempting to approximate a John Williams score. And mm. I think that's why I don't like it. Cause I'm not a big John Williams fan. I think he's fine for the most part, but I think the problem with the problem I have with John Williams is like a person who is a musician and likes the musicianship of, of, of scores is that his scores are so showy. Like they're always just like, look at what I'm doing. Like, look at, look at how much music and feeling I'm putting into this. And when it works, it fucking works. And when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. And I think he's attempting to kind of approximate that feel that a John Williams would give. And it just, at times, it really does work. I think there's a lot of good moments in this score, and especially good moments in this movie. But there's also times where it lands so fucking hard. It lands like a brick. And... <sighs> what vinyls movie, do you have of Ennio Marconi? I have... There's a collection of uh, Ennio Marconi vinyls that came out a while ago that collected Western theme, lounge theme... Giallo, Psycho, I think was the name of another one, and Passion were the names of the the five releases, and they're great. They're like double vinyls that are. I have some of them are colored, some of them aren't. That I have, um, and then I have one for an Italian movie that I've never seen, but the fucking score is just brilliant. It's like that 60s, 70s Morricone era, like just like fucking man on the street type of because it's like a it's like a, a Polizia Tecchini film. It's like shot in Rome. Oh, one of those like on on location films. 
Yeah, back back you know in the seventies when they not, it's not an American film; it's an Italian film, which is why I don't know the name because it's in Italian. It's fair. Well, let's see. I mean, I mean, I guess I guess if we're gonna put another spoiler alert from here on out, guys, there is kind of a spoiler alert in this movie because we're gonna talk about one thing that they don't show you in in the trailer for this movie. And I watched the trailer for this movie too, and I was like, damn. That's how you make a, a 2000s trailer right there. They hinted at where at where this is going. Um, <laughs> then they they just like never they're like, yeah, you can hint at it. Um, and then uh, in the trailer is what I'm trying to say. They hint at it because they show you like the scene where they're like walking in and everything's white. And you're like, oh, that's a cool like, oh, this, they find something up there. Um, but they don't like they don't even come close to what the this movie's actually about. No. But it is good though. I do like that shot where the white door goes but down behind them. Yeah. I think that I think that's I think that's neat. I think it I think that whole section is very neat. Um however <laughs> I uh I don't know. I don't know if it works, you know. You don't know if it works? I don't know if it works. I think I it might work. It, I, yeah, like I, I like I spent a lot of time being like, does this get it? Does this does this hit? Does this, you know, does it work? And I don't know if it does entirely, in my opinion. I think it's just the fact that like the whole movie up until the last 15 has been a survival space movie and then they try to cram in uh, like soft science sci-fi. It's like if the Martian ended with him learning that there were um, that there was some some sort of space conspiracy that he just like fell into. <laughs> you're not wrong. I know what and you you're mean. You're just like, are you, are you sure that's how you want to end this? Yeah, I I like it. I I don't hate it. I don't think it works perfectly, but like I kind of love the big dumb alien, like that it's like just this like like cry like alien. You're like, well, this is weird. I don't like. Here's the thing. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's bad. Like it's stupid. Like I love the abyss, and the abyss is literally the same ending. <laughs> so like I can't really, you know, be mad. But like I just like it didn't work for me. Um, I think the movie has its moments that I really really like. But I think overall, I'm just like, this is, I think this is a miss for me, personally. Well, the Abyss is, the Abyss is better executed, too. Absolutely. Like, there's um, not even, like, it's not even debatable if the, if the Abyss is just a, and the thing is, too, the tension of surviving the Abyss feels more real because, like, you've been underwater and accidentally come up for air because, like, you choked on some water. Absolutely. I, and I think the reason the Abyss works and this is again to go back to what i was talking about before is because the guy who made it very good at making spectacle yeah he is i mean that's true and de palma's good at small versions of spectacle he is yes no and i and i you know but i think he's i think he's much better at like how do i say he's it's not his strong suit to like shoot a big CGI valley and be like, man, look at how gorgeous that is. Cause it's, it's, that's not like really what he does. 
You know, like it's very what true. He, what he should be doing is shooting like, you know, the the fucking suspense scenes, and those work. Yeah, anytime something's kind of going wrong, I do agree with you. Like, I think the best scene in the movie, and I'll, this will be my answer for what movie I think is the best scene of the movie, is when they're trying to find the breach in the hole. And they get hit by, like, um, little microbes or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that scene is well done where they're just, like, you're, I mean, like, it's true. De Palma's cultivation of tension, he really understands that maybe better than than anybody I I think that stretch where the, where this they shoot the second the the second team Sinise and Robbins and, and Delaney and O'Connell and the one I'm forgetting what's her name Connie Nielsen Connie Nielsen when they shoot them into space from there until they land I am in it it is a pocket I'm like this is fucking good actually secretly mission to Mars good movie and then it just like falls apart and i'm like oh okay well almost i guess back to the drawing board and i and i i'm it's sad and, you know I, this also feels like a movie that i'll i'll visit I'll revisit in 10 years and be like actually it's secret masterpiece i don't know if i'll ever go secret masterpiece but i know what you mean in the sense that like i feel this movie has potential to grow over time yeah in the same way that like other maligned movies especially by De Palma like Femme Fatale you know the next movie he makes where I'm like oh secretly it's, it's very good I need to I'm I'm looking forward to rewatch by the way Femme Fatale another movie on the um another movie on the stars what do you call it the stars uh repeats yeah I you know I feel like his run from Femme Fatale starting with uh Snake Eyes um to the Black Dahlia probably hit that that channel real fucking hard Oh yeah. Um, I think we should talk about the Mission Impossible element uh, in the room. Um, that was a huge success. Snake Eyes, less so, but still pretty big success. I think he's kind of like banking on that, and I think this is like the first real, like domino, to fall. Because because then Femme Fatale is like a it's a fucking bomb, and I like Femme Fatale a lot. Well. The thing, too, is, though, is this. This is a bomb for sure, but it is not a bomb in the sense of how he made it. It's a perfectly well-made movie. It just doesn't work for people because I think it's too a little ahead of its time. Uh, In some ways, yes. It's ahead of its time. I, I think it's, I, I don't know. This movie feels very 2000 to me. Like, just like, like it needed to, like if it ended with a Matchbox 20 song, I'd be like, that's the most 2000 movies I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, slotted in between the ninth gate and uh, fucking something else on stars repeats. Very true. But I don't know. The fucking mummy. I don't know. Oh, the Mummy would be a great Stars repeat. Man, I almost want to go back to Stars. Like, I mean, well, no, because TV doesn't exist anymore. But, oh, man. You know what? That's what they should allow you to do on streaming services is make playlists. I I agree. Uh, sorry, I, I was checking to see if my wife had texted me because I'm supposed to pick her up later. Um, 
And I had a text message pop up. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, I think I miss the drop and drop out of te- television, but we nuked cable for more expensive and less money making cable. Um, That's true. <laughs> so perfectly true. Not sure why we did that. Steamed. Like I remember the moment, like we were cord cutting and like Netflix, and then there was Hulu, and then Filmstrike. I'm like, oh, so it's just gonna be for everyone, isn't it? <laughs> I was just like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna have to buy a streaming service for like every kind of movie. <laughs> Basically, yeah, I am kind of surprised that like, like the movie channel or not the movie channels, the studios didn't just start doing their own streaming services. And we got there. We got to Paramount, Warner Brothers, and then they're all like, wow, we're failing. This sucks. And so everybody's going to buy Sling again. So fucking television's coming back, baby. I mean, I've got YouTube TV for the express purpose of, um, what do you call it? I would have gotten like, YouTube TV if they kept, like, their baseball premium. Yeah? Yeah. Because you could, we could watch a bunch of games on there, and now you can't. So now i got to go to fair. fucking MLB.TV. And... And hope it doesn't uh, crash 800 million times. Yeah. Well, you know, they need to up their, they need to up their software for people. That's the thing. I, it's I, the technology that'll either make or break you as like a place that wants to stream. That is true. That is very true. Um, I feel like I've steamrolled you uh, with this movie. No. Um, and I, 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 you seem to like it a lot more than I do. And so I just, I, mean, I I, would I mean, like I think for... it's I think it's I think it's perfectly acceptable. Like, I think if you wanted to sit someone down and show someone what a perfectly acceptable like three out of five looks like, that's this movie. Like, there's nothing wrong with this movie per se, but it's not good enough to like blow you off the screen. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was texting my wife. Um, what, I want I want you know I want you to maybe put a little bit of positive spin on this, and I would like for you to um, to tell me what your favorite scene is. You know, honestly, kind of when they rediscover Don Cheadle is still alive, and just like how butt fuck nuts Don Cheadle is and that like, but he never overplays it. That's the thing too. At no point does anyone kind of overplay their hand. Uh, no, I think it, I think it like kind of perfectly. Cause like that scene again, suspense, like he walks in, he sees like the water and then you see the fucking like, you know, you see him like notice the hammer above his head and then yeah, like Cheadle's there and you're like, Oh fuck sweet. Hell yeah. Cheadle's back in this baby. That's the most Brian De Palma moment in the movie, too, in some ways. Absolutely. And, I mean, like I said, you discover the big, the big dumb giant alien, and, like, it's like, oh, it's sad because all its friends left. And then Gary Sinise goes to shoot himself out there, which is crazy. He doesn't even have to... Sa- That's the other thing, too. It's even nicer than the Abyss. He doesn't even have to sacrifice himself. Like, he chooses to. No, he just he gets he was like you could leave and there and he was like nah I'm cool. Well, no, it's like there's a line in the movie where he says like he goes 
it's been always been my goal and ambition to stand on another world and look beyond. And I'm like sitting there. I was like, you've already done that. Like, what are you fucking talking about? You're on no, Mars, no, no, motherfucker. No, no. Yeah, no, he's on Mars. But like, dude, if you talk to a guy who's like whole fucking thing is like, I'm going to get to Mars. And they're like, you can get to another galaxy. He would be like, yeah, fucking strap me in, bitch. Let's we go. might as well. We've come this far. I got, and also his wife's dead, so like he's got nothing to lose. It is true. I do like that. It looks like it sucks to have to travel in like hyperspace. It really does seem like it. It sucks, and the movie yeah. does a good job of like making. I think this movie doesn't quite do as like as good of a job as the last movie, but it makes a good job of being like, man, it must fucking suck to be a pilot. Oh yeah. Uh, so let's see what to move on to. What it? What's what's the elevator pitch here for you? Uh, fucking Brian De Palma made a two thousand and one Space Odyssey. You want to see it or not? Seems like that guy was kind of mean when he sold us those tickets. Did you notice that, dear? Yeah, I noticed it too. Listen, I don't get paid to be nice to people. I get paid to sell tickets. It's very true. I wish that was my pitch. I could just like sit at box office and just be like, no, no, like. I get paid to sell the tickets. I convince people to go to the movies. <laughs> They're here for me. Yeah, exactly. Most people here, they don't actually actually come up with a plan. They just want to know what I say, and then I tell them what to go see. And then either they like it or they don't. Now I'm now I'm like, what what fucking record did I buy? Like, what movie is that? So I'm trying to find it, and about? I. I'm talking about the the record I have. That's sorry, I was talking to myself. I'm looking through, <laughs> looking through the scores that Ennio Morricone did. And guess what? He did a lot of them. <laughs> he did. Um. So yeah. So I'll be getting up and looking at what I have over there in a moment. We did um, scenes. We did. Uh, uh, elevator pitch. Now, what would you pair this with? 2001 A Space Odyssey, man. Like, see the perfect version, see the imperfect version. It really is like the Urtext. Um, you could also yeah. pair it with, uh, you know, just sandwich, just end it with 2010. We already made contact. You, the, yeah, like the you worst go. version. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's definitely a movie like object. It's very true, man. What do you got, though? So, what do you give this? I think on Letterboxd they gave it two and a half. And I, th- I think I'm going to stick by it. Th- no, I'm going to give it two stars. Okay. I'm going to go a star higher. I'm going to give it three. I like it's enjoyable. It was fine to watch. It's a little too long, but I never really want to watch it again. <laughs> um, I mean, I might, because I might do eventually, like, get old and want to do, like, a De Palma, you know. But, like, eh. I I know what you mean. But, I mean, you know, I think at one point, if we keep doing this as long as we do, um, we're going to we're gonna do a De Palma one. And, you know, you'll watch it then. Probably, yeah. I mean, he has so many flippant movies. Too many. Some would yet say. has not done yet has not done any in the last like 
Domino. Brian De Palma. Domino. Yeah. 2019. Okay, so maybe not as far away. He. There was a couple. Like he's always announced to be making something, and I'm just like, I don't know. We really need a new Brian De Palma movie. Like I would like one, but do we need one? He it's apparently true. has two films, although one is listed in pre-production and the other one is listed in development, which are usually code words for this movie doesn't exist. Interesting. Not like. I just mean like IMDb code words, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, gotcha. it's in production, but gotcha. yeah, it's been in production since 2005. <laughs> gotcha. Makes more sense now. Um, or, uh, yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's working on this other movie. It's like, oh, yeah, what is it? In development? Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. When I see the trailer, I'll believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I hear, when I hear that A24 has picked it up, yeah. No. Um, but, yeah. Well guess this leads me to only ask the last question i ask of every night on every other episode what are we doing next week well ben the choice is yours all right so behind uh door number one um i have a just a normal documentary double um just you know just a very standard documentary nothing weird about him don't think about it don't even fucking feel think like about that's it. a trap but okay don't even and behind door number two i got uh i got uh i got i got you know might be political might be very political interesting is it also a documentary no they are not documentaries um if you want more hints I will give them to you. All I'm saying is I think the documentaries might be a more enjoyable time. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't, I've, I've been thrown off by your taste recently. Documentaries or it might get political. No, let's get, let's get political. Let's get let's weird get with political. it. Let's get political. All right. So we're doing next week. Oh boy, did not expect this. Was really hoping you'd pick the documentaries, but okay. Um, so next week <laughs> <laughs> we're doing from oh you fucker, you fucker! I didn't want to open up Safari. What are you doing? <laughs> oh fuck, man, get out of here! No, god damn it! Fucking stupid, dumb fingers. All right. First movie is from 1966. Okay. I'm not done. I got to look up the other one real quick. All right. First movie is from 1966 and is directed by a couple of Italians. That's right. Uh, it is directed by, actually, just one Italian, uh, Gio Pontecorvo. And is about the Algerian war against the French government in North Africa. And it is named after the most prominent title of it, the Battle of Algiers. Uh, shot on location during the actual guerrilla warfare, during the actual stuff was happening. Um, and actually, 
We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, uh, so that's the first movie. That is the first movie. And I paired this with Abel Ferreira's Zeros and Ones. Not sure anything about it. Never watched it. Uh, I just know it's by Abel Ferreira, and I know that it stars Ethan Hawke. So let's fucking go, baby. 2021. I mean, and there's also a movie on my list as well. So, you know, thanks also. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's a movie that's secretly about COVID. Interesting. Well, who doesn't love Abel Ferreira? That's all I'm going to say. You know, and if you don't, sh- show your fucking face, motherfucker. Yeah. We don't need you. We don't need your, yeah, we don't need your kind around here. Oh, good God. Um, next Abel Ferreira movie has Shia LaBeouf in it and Asia Argento. Oh, what are you doing, man? All right, whatever. That's that's a whole <laughs> kettle of fish right there. Oof, that's how bad, how much do I like Abel Ferreira? I mean, you're going to go see that movie just out of morbid curiosity, probably, I feel like. Probably, sadly. Yeah. Oh, I need to leave the quotes open. What am I doing? Well, don't worry. You have plenty of time to get to them. Because, guys, if you want to find more of this nonsense around, you can follow us at TWGTFPod on Twitter and Instagram. No, not on Twitter. You can follow us at TWGTFPod on Instagram. You can follow me at EmptyCritic87 on Letterboxd and at MovieLovingLucha87 on Instagram. Tyler, is there anywhere they can follow you? Uh, they can follow me into um, an EVP where I'll be shot straight into space. Oh, God, that sounds painful. Sounds awful. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I've been Woody Blake. Nothing bad happens to that guy. Never. What an astronaut name, too. What a fucking name, Woody Blake. It's like that's like having a name like Rip Torn. Like it's just I mean, like it's so insane. Luke Graham's also a really good name. Luke Graham is, but so is um what's what's uh Gary Sinise's character's name? I think his name is Jim McConnell. I think it is too. That is such yeah. a fucking astronaut Which is name. Just a, such a good I guess an astronaut or a state senator that hates me. You know what I mean? Well, he was an astronaut before he became a state senator. Yeah, yeah, obviously, 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 obviously. From the great state of Ohio. Exactly. And, guys, remember, if you come to our little video box around the way and you see four people in just a giant white room entering, like, a black part of that room, well, they're just exploring the mysteries of the galaxy. Let them have it. Internal combustion, boys. Except no substitutes. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I think the movie I was trying to think of that like started the rush of like two thousands space movies. I think it's Space Cowboys. Oh god, that movie was popular. That's another movie for your fucking stars repeater shit. I oh, think that same year. was one. It's the same year. Oh my god. That's insane. Maybe, maybe that's the movie I was thinking of. <laughs>